Welcome to Roll Call with Ramona. I'm your host, Ramona Singh. Today we have Jeremy Witten with us. He is the account director at Edelman. He handles the top clients and does day-to-day business with them. Prior to joining Edelman Ottawa's office, Jeremy was chief of staff to a prominent Ottawa city councillor with responsibilities over files such as emergency services, transportation, social housing, and sports and tourism. Prior to City Hall, Jeremy worked on Parliament Hill as policy advisor to the Chief Government Whip, managing key files through House of Commons committees, most notably public accounts. In addition, he works for the Parliamentary Secretary to Ministers of Health and Veterans Affairs when he was working on Parliament Hill. Jeremy has also worked in various capacities provincially at Queen's Park, including for the former Deputy Premier. Jeremy is Vice Chair of the Board of Trustees for the Ottawa Catholic School Board and successfully earned a second term mandate in 2018 municipal election. Jeremy holds a Bachelor of Arts degree in Political Science from Western University and a Business Certificate from Georgian College. Welcome to the show, Jeremy. Hi, Ramona. Thanks for having me on. Yes, I mean, Jeremy, we've been speaking to a lot of business owners and people from various sectors who have shared their challenges, you know, during COVID-19 and in some cases relaunching their business and going back to work and, you know, all the challenges that they have had to overcome. One of the biggest ones being that in about less than four weeks, you know, um, kids are supposed to be going back to school. Uh, from elementary school to high school. And this is a big part of how families are going to cope with going back to work and making sure that, you know, their their children are back in school and learning and being successful at what they need to do. So, you know, Ontario has announced uh, their back to school, you know, plans. And it'd be great to hear from you as a school board trustee in terms of what's happening and just a breakdown of what to expect come September. For sure. Yeah, there's no question. It's been a a very abnormal year and, uh, you know, uh, school boards across the province of Ontario have been uh, working hard to put plans together uh, that, uh, you know, both puts kids back in the classroom and allows those who aren't comfortable or able to return uh, to to work, uh, to work online. So, as you mentioned, the the Premier uh, announced just a few days ago that schools will return uh, in September for those students who are able to, uh, to get back to class. Uh, elementary schools in K-8 to uh, will, will operate a five-day school week, uh, a five-day school week, and uh, students will be split into cohorts with an average class size uh, of approximately uh, 15 people. So I think the difference uh, that many of your listeners will, will find is that um, they, they, their children may be in um, smaller groups this year. They may not have the opportunity to interact with as many kids in the school or do, do certain activities, but the goal really is to get kids back in class and make it feel uh, as normal as possible. Um, Go ahead, sorry. And in secondary, uh, I'll just touch briefly, in grades 9 to 12, uh, the province has announced that uh, secondary schools will be open, um, and the plan is to, uh, in some cases, do uh, an abbreviated semester, so four cohorts, so two classes uh, uh, per semester. So instead of two semesters, uh, many high schools will likely like we see four semesters. What, what that's going to do is allow for, um, you know, kids to rotate a few days on in class 
a few days working online, uh, as well as uh, ensuring that you know you, you keep within your your bubble of of, uh, of students and keeps kids safe and uh, keeps the, the the numbers roaming the halls uh, to a minimum. This will definitely be a new way of going back to school and the investments that we've heard that the province is doing in terms of hiring more teachers and making sure the school is up to, you know, um, sanitary standards in terms of, you know, custodial cleaning and washing hands and all the different equipments that are going to be provided. So it is to, to be understood that uh, students in grades four to 12 will have to wear a mask at all times in school. Correct. That is correct. Yeah, and as, as part of the return to school announcement, uh, the government has uh, has put forward a, an investment of $308 million. So that will be uh, directly uh, given to school boards for a number of different things. And I've I've actually just pulled up some of the uh, uh, the breakdown of the numbers. So I'll, I'll walk through uh, walk through that for your listeners. So $60 million uh, will go towards uh, medical and cloth masks for, for students and staff. And as you said, uh, students um, grade four and up are expected uh, to wear their mask in class and, and around the school property at all times, as well as staff and they need, uh, teaching staff and support staff uh, that are in the building. Uh, $30 million will go for uh, teacher staffing to support additional supervision, because as you can appreciate with you know, smaller classes, there's going to be uh, uh, more groups of kids spread out uh, across school buildings and properties. So, so it's going to need uh, you know, more people keeping an eye, especially on those younger students. Um, $50 million to hire 500 additional uh, school-focused nurses. And I think this is really important, obviously, in the context of COVID. Um, many people are accustomed to having uh, a medical professional within their school board, but the goal is to, to really um, get more nurses uh, in schools. So approximately, you know, one nurse per two or three schools in the board, uh, checking up on kids, making sure that they've, uh, you know, uh, if they're sick, they're, they're not coming. If there's an outbreak in a school that they can contact trace. So I think that's a really, really important piece. And um, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, o over uh, $23 million to support testing in schools. So uh, making sure that there's the testing capacity and the contact tracing uh, systems in place. So somebody gets sick, uh, can, they can be isolated and, and those, uh, you know, who came in contact can, can easily be uh, uh, removed from the school. $75 million uh, in funding to hire over 900 new custodians. And uh, of course, sanitation in the building is going to be really, really important. So uh, having those extra caretakers on on hand to make sure all those touch points are cleaned is uh, is is going to be uh, is going to be vital. Um, Forty million to clean buses, and as you can appreciate, um, there's going to be less kids riding on on buses than usual. Um, uh, I also sit on the uh, Auto Catholic or sorry the Auto Transportation Student Transportation Committee uh, here in our city, and one of the things that uh, that we've talked about is bus capacity number. So it's looking like the province will be recommending that's one child per seat. So if you think about, uh, you know, traditionally 50 or 60 kids on a bus, that's likely going to be somewhere around 20 now. So, uh, wow. you know, big, a big reduction there. Um, and then of course, I think, uh, you know, equally important to all the sort of cleaning and contact tracing is the investment in, uh, in mental health. 
um, because the, the pandemic has really taken a toll on students and, and families. So, um, you know, additional resources for counselors and uh, mental health professionals in schools so that students and families can get the help they need. Is, and, and as well, the, those students with special needs who have, you know, uh, added challenges. Uh, there's some additional uh, funding of $10 million, uh, to support their uh, needs as well. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a good point that you brought up mental health because, I mean, I'm thinking of it, I mean, when we were in school, we didn't have, obviously, any of these, you know, things to deal with, any of these challenges. But I'm thinking from, the, you know, a child's perspective, having to wear a mask, let's just say, you know, obviously for their safety and for everybody else's safety, about five, six hours. I mean, I know when I go into a store and I'm wearing it for like 30 minutes, I can't wait to get back out into my car and take it off, right? So just the idea of having to learn with a mask on. And then of course, the idea that you got to stay away from the other children, you might be at risk, they might be at risk of recess, all of a sudden is different in terms of playing tag and you know, all the other sports and running around. So of course, I mean, mental health is such a big deal in this in terms of you know, having, you know, these young students understand, I'm talking about like, I guess, elementary school, you know, about the changes and what it means and what it means to socialize. And it's just such a, I, I just can't imagine. Certainly going to have a different feel uh, this school year. Um, you know, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of things that kids look forward to at school, socializing with their friends, going to gym, yeah. to class, all these sort of sharing you know, lunches you know sharing lunches yeah. or or hot lunches that come into the school and yeah. you know all, all of those things will look look and feel very different so you know there, there will be things that just simply don't exist and other things that are, are uh, other activities that are that are modified but I uh, I know it's going to be it's going to be a tall order for you know teaching staff and uh, support staff and principals to uh it's, it's going to be a it's going to be a large undertaking, and you know I, I certainly wish all the students and and staff uh, the very best. I know everybody's going to be working hard to keep everybody safe. Well, absolutely. Even like when you think of like PE, like physical education, you know what does that mean? I think the the custodian's going to have to wipe down you know every volleyball and every basketball. It's just you know when you think about like what a mask undertaking this is in terms of running a school operationally day to day. Yeah, the logistics are going to be pretty significant. I think that's why, you know, adding 900 custodians in the province is going to be yeah. really important. Um, you know, making sure all those touch points are wiped down and, and uh, you know, and, and that the adequate uh, cleaning supplies are in stock all of the school sites and um, that, you know, cleaning regimes are, are implemented on a more frequent basis. It, it really is going to take a lot of manpower, but I, I know our, uh, I know our, uh, our province is up to the challenge. Yes. And all the checks and balances. So, I mean, we've covered what the schools have to do to be school ready. What do families have to do? You know, what is the responsibility of parents in terms of making sure that, you know, they're sending their children to school, but you know, they've, uh, you know, done a temperature check and all the things that parents should be aware of. Well, I mean, probably the first and, and foremost will be daily screening for symptoms. So, you know, it is incumbent upon parents, uh, you know, younger children, and then of course, high school students themselves um, to uh, assess uh, their, their health condition on a daily basis. So students and staff and teachers and anybody visiting the school uh, must screen 
daily for, for COVID-19 symptoms before leaving home. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, follow all of the uh, prescribed protocols, you know, while at school, two meter distance, regular hand washing, um, wearing a mask, all of those things are, are going to be the responsibility of both the parents and, um, and the students while they're in school. Right. And, and then I guess being also um, getting used to, you know, some days on, some days off. I'm just thinking of like even the logistics of like what parents have to go through if they have two, three kids and some of them are at home, some of them are at school and just doing that whole, you know, switch around every few days and making sure that, you know, their learning is optimal. Um, you know, this is definitely something new and and we I guess we'll see what it means you know, come September and it are, so now are, um, is there an understanding that some of the school boards will get to choose what they want to do or does this apply to every school board in Ontario? So the rules will be applied, will be applied equitably to all school boards in Ontario and, and, you know, let me take you back a few weeks. Um, every board in Ontario was required to submit uh, to the Ministry of Education uh, a few different scenarios. Uh, as to what their return to school might look like, so we were we were asked uh, to prepare a scenario for a full return, a partial return, and no return at all. And uh, and then within each of those scenarios, map out uh, what it would look like logistically uh, on the ground in, in in your local school board. So, um, you know, speaking from the perspective of our school board in Ottawa, uh, I know our staff worked really hard to put together. A plan, uh, basically an operations manual. It's a uh, multi-page document that, that really outlines a, a, a full day in motion at school, from you know kids getting picked up uh, curbside by the bus to uh, kids getting uh, dropped off at night, and and all the and all the various uh, activities in between, including childcare, uh, which is a which is a really uh, important component uh, to the. Uh, to many families across the province. Right, exactly. If you if your child isn't old enough to go to school, what does childcare look like in childcare mm -hmm. centers? What are their I know we they've opened some, you know, earlier like just these past few weeks, but what does that look like in terms of province wide? Yeah, so so as part of the return to school announcement, uh, the Minister of Education also talked about the reopening of childcare centers that are uh, associated with schools um, in September. So um, as of September 1st, uh, childcare centers uh, will open along with schools. Um, childcare staff and, and all those uh, you know, adults in the building are, will be required uh, to wear masks at all times, similar to, to those in schools. Um, additional cleaning measures obviously are putting in place. Um, I think what's a little different here, you know, because these are slightly smaller numbers of kids, um, staff at child care centers will be required to do uh, daily screening of children. So temperature checks and symptomatic checks. I mean, you know, we're dealing with a much younger cohort of, of kids here. So um, yeah. they're, they're responsible for, for that. Um, you know, both uh, in K-12 and child care, uh, there's uh, a rigorous record keeping uh, that must be uh, um, 
that must be maintained. So whether it's contact tracing and basically tracking the kids every move from arrival to departure each day, um, you know, increasing the number of hand wash stations. I know some of our childcare facilities uh, here in the city of Ottawa have, have had to um, do some retrofitting of their facilities to add additional hand wash stations, to add um, hand sanitizing, uh, hand sanitizers and dispensers uh, throughout their facilities so that um, there's, you know, an ample supply of, of, of that type of PPE. Um, yeah, so, and, and I think, you know, parents are, of course, going to be uh, required to um, uh, indicate, you know, whether their, their child is planning on return to school, or return to child care, they're, they're going to have their spot uh, saved for them. So parents don't really need at this point to, to worry uh, about their spot being given away. They just, you know, whenever they're comfortable with returning, whether it's in September or October or beyond, um, you know, their spot will be held for them. So, and to put in context, Ramona, there's, you know, um, there's over 5,500 childcare facilities uh, across the province um, in a variety of fashions, you know, kids uh, under the age of four, there's all day childcare. And then in our schools, we have what's called the extended day program. So before and after school care. Right. And that can range anywhere from junior kindergarten age children uh, attending those, uh, you know, right up to you know, kids in grade four or five. Uh, that, that that can be there. So, um, lots of lots of moving parts for sure. Yeah, I mean, and and it's going to require a lot of discipline on behalf of the students as well. I mean, um, just thinking about you know all the different protocols they have to do. I'm talking about like obviously younger students and and just the concept of how they're going to learn while they're socially distancing and washing their hands and keeping their like all of it combined and keeping a mask on it, this is, this is, we're going to see what the outcome will be, but it's going to require a lot of discipline as well. Um, For sure. And, you know, and I, I guess a lot of, go ahead. Sorry. No, I think what's really important is, um, you know, you talk about um, the discipline and, and you know, the, the, the new reality that we live in. I, I can say as, as a trustee, I've, I've had, you know, several weeks ago, parents calling and emailing me talking about, you know, how scared they were for their kids to go back and that they're not ready. Mm-hmm. And, and we have noticed, you know, in the last couple of weeks, uh, a sizable change in public opinion around the return to school and the return to childcare. And, and I know that your, your audience uh, is a, um, is, you know, business, uh, business minded uh, listeners and, and, you know, parents have, have been saying, you know, they need to get back to work. Uh, they need to be able to, uh, you know, get both parents back to work uh, to, uh, you know, to make ends meet, but also that their kids really need to be back in school. Um, they need the socialization. They need to continue to develop along their education journey. Um, so, uh, you know, parents that were that were scared uh, to send their kids, you know, maybe a month ago, uh, th- those same folks are actually, you know, the ones calling me now saying, uh, you know what, I, I really do want my kid in school five days a week and, and have access to childcare. So definitely a sizable shift in, uh, in public opinion. And, and uh, I, I think the vast majority of, you know, people in the province are, are ready to, and craving to get back to some level of, you know, routine. Uh, yes. Normalcy, if you will. Normalcy to, to a degree. I mean, the ones that can homeschool, 
you know, will do what they need to do. The, the parents that have to go to work, I mean, all of these measures will help them send their, you know, children back to school. Um, and then there's, you know, I, I, there's some may argue that the second wave has already happened in some, you know, parts of, let's just say, you know, what we're hearing about the numbers in the United States and some other areas, you know, thankfully and, and luckily we're in a better situation here in Ontario, but that's another concern. I mean, I don't think I've heard much about the second wave happening this fall. And I mean, back in April, when the shutdowns started, you know, the concept was like the second wave will usually happen during flu season and flu season's usually in the fall. So have you heard any communication about this or heard any concern from parents about a potential second wave during the school year launch? Yeah, I mean, there is certainly that discussion about a second wave and what that might look like. I mean, today, uh, I think the province saw uh, a, a record low 88 new cases. Uh, so, I mean, things are definitely trending in the right direction. But um, the fall uh, and the re return to school will present a whole new set of challenges, right? We are certainly embarking on a major shift of, uh, from where we, where we are now. Um, you know, certainly more kids and, and families and people interacting with each other presents presents new risks for transmission. So, um, you know, people are certainly concerned about that. But I think the um, you know the, the the cost of keeping kids home and 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 not allowing them to continue their education is really outweighing the potential uh, future risks of COVID. So. I think people are ready to go go back with obviously strict health and safety protocols in place. Um, but I'm not seeing, you know, an, you know, on mass, a number of people overly concerned about a second wave to the point where they're not prepared to send their child to school. Right. Cause after what we've been through the last few months, I think, you know, everyone craving to go back to normalcy and go back to work and kids go back to school that, you know, we don't want to deal with them. As you said, a lot of parents are now feeling a little more comfortable. And I think it has to do with like public opinion as everybody else feels good. And we look at the numbers, we're like, okay, we're ready to go back. All that we've done hasn't been for waste. You know, that's how we brought down our numbers. Um, but I guess overall, it is the parents' responsibility to really, I guess, educate their child throughout this process because it's been one thing for them to be home but now going back to school and I think they all abandoned school before the school year was over um, so you know they haven't some of them haven't seen their friends in so long I'm talking about students who don't have cell phones and obviously don't have you know social media profiles and the only way they can see their friends is through play dates that their parents set up and they haven't had a chance to go to the playground and you know even though the playgrounds have opened up now so, you know, this is, this is like a really big deal. And, um, and just to emotionally be prepared for it all, um, I guess parents have a lot to do in the next few weeks to prepare their children for this, like going back and what it means, you know, like psychologically and emotionally and physically and all of that, you know, because teachers can do so much, I guess, in terms of yeah. enforcing the protocols. Yeah, I, I mean, hey, I, I give parents and teachers and students themselves a heck of a lot of credit for uh you know enduring what we've gone through in the past four months and you know um as i said earlier I, I know i know people are up to the challenge and you know teachers are are ready to get back in the classroom you know the ones i've talked to in our board are you know excited to see their students uh, again and, and want to help them 
uh, continue to develop uh, in school. You know, I know, I know that parents uh, certainly want to see their kids back learning again. Um, you know, and I think they've made tremendous, parents in Ontario have made tremendous sacrifices uh, to balance work and life and, you know, to, to be somewhat of a teacher themselves at home over these last four months and educating their children on what COVID-19 is and, and how to behave in society and, and be responsible uh, citizens. And, you know, the students have made a lot of sacrifices too, you know, not seeing their friends, um, uh, you know, really having a um, uh, an abrupt ending to a uh, an otherwise uh, very, you know, positive school year. Right. I mean, so. I can just say personally, like my niece, she's uh she's six years old now so she had a birthday with the drive-by so that was you know new for her and she was asking you know when are we going to go back to normal right before school was you know closed for the year um before they had to go and you know do everything online uh you know she was learning about what COVID 19 meant at school and you know just a few days before i guess the shutdowns began and but i know um that she's had to have a parent next to her to be able to do her online work and submit it so it really has been hands-on for parents and it might continue to be i guess for those days where the students are at home um, versus being in school, right? Um, where if they're young enough and they still don't know how to obviously use the technology and how to submit their homework, they're going to need some sort of supervision and aid in that at home. Yeah, and you know, I think one thing I, I may have mentioned it at the beginning, um, but that's really important is you know, in in person attendance at school is voluntary, so it is up to the family, uh, it is up to the parents or guardians to determine whether they want their child back in school. So it's, it, it, is, it, it is voluntary for both elementary and secondary students. And in fact, uh, you know, the province has indicated that if there are teachers or staff in schools that aren't prepared, uh, you know, whether they're autoimmune compromised or they have fam, uh, you know, they're a caregiver to at-risk family members or whatever their personal situation is, um, you know, accommodations uh, will be made. So I, I think whether it's at the provincial level or at school board level, you know, everybody's working together to, um, you know, make this experience uh, work for, for everybody, whether it's being in school or at work uh, in person or, or whether it's doing it online or a combination of the two. Um, nobody is, you know, no one is forcing anyone back to school or, or into the classroom. So I think right. that's a that's really, an important, important point. really important piece. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you have now you're on your second term as um, school board trustee, correct? I am. Yeah, I am. And what got you into it? Uh, so I, you know, I've always sort of been interested in, in school and education. You know, when I was in high school, was involved with uh, student government uh, as, as uh, you know, I, I think you were as well. And, um, you know, wanted to give back to the school and, and do and do my part. So I actually uh, became a student trustee. Uh, every board in Ontario has two student representatives that uh, represent the student voice at the table. So um, I uh, I started in grade 11 and grade 12, so two years, two years as a student trustee. I think my education, interest in education, um, certainly comes from my family. My father you know, was a high school teacher, uh, retired now, and you know, many other members of my family. My grandfather was a teacher, and and cousins and aunts and uncles. So, uh, education sort of uh, 
a big part of, of my life. And uh, it's, you know, honestly, it's a, it's a way to give, give back to the community and, and stay involved. And um, you know, often a forgotten level of government, but I think a really important, um, really important yeah. role in the community uh, for, uh, you know, both, both uh, families and, uh, you know, ratepayers who pay education tax. Everybody pays education tax. You, you know, it's, uh, it's important that someone is representing their interests uh, at, the, at the board table. Absolutely. It's great that, you know, parents have, you know, someone to contact as well to kind of get things moving um, in terms of like a school board setting. So this is, it's great. And, and it's really hands-on. I don't think a lot of people realize how hands-on school board trustees are in terms of the amount of calls they get from parents and how involved they have to be at every level. Um, so yeah, I mean, kudos to you. And you have a big role um, as account director at Edelman um, when we'll going to be having more conversations with you because you do manage some of the big accounts and transportation um, and we're very interested in knowing you know what there's if you want to give us a little brief highlight for our future conversations it'd be great sure yeah no I mean my work at the school board is, is um, it's exciting but it is a part-time role so my day job uh, as you mentioned is with uh, <clears throat> Edelman which is the world's largest independent family-owned public relations uh, firm in the world uh, and uh, I work in the uh, Edelman's Ottawa office managing a number of uh, uh, large files and you, you've highlighted some some sectors that I work in uh, transportation and, and tech uh, a couple of big notable areas of focus for me um, yeah looking forward to some of our future episodes to sort of talk about some of those uh, sectors and and how COVID nineteen has has impacted them and what their you know economic recovery might look like. So, um, yeah, I'm very excited to hear you know all the updates of what's happening, what your you know clients are going through, and the tech industry as well, transport, and how you're mediating all that and what the government plans on doing in terms of policy and you know all very exciting stuff. So, Jeremy, thank you for your time today. Let us know how people can contact you if they have any questions regarding, you know, your day role at Edelman or, you know, as a school board trustee as school rolls in, you know, in the next few weeks. Sure. So, you know, anyone who is looking for some professional assistance around government relations or, or public affairs, any guidance that we, we can certainly help uh, companies big and small, uh, can reach out to me directly uh, at jeremy.wittit at edelman.com or directly on my cell at 613-818-7653. And for for any of your listeners who might be listening in the Ottawa area, um, can certainly reach out to me um, uh, through the Ottawa Catholic School Board website. um, And uh, I'm I'm happy to answer any questions uh, they may have about their child's uh, education and the restart of the uh, 2020-2021 school year. So thank you very much. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for joining us. And this was another episode of Roll Call with Ramona. I'm your host, Ramona Singh. Until next time, have a great day.